How's it going? It's going well. (laughs) So, okay. Big things start small. So I told my friend today that we were starting a podcast and she was like, oh my gosh, what's it about? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what we're talking about today. So I thought it'd be helpful for Beth, for you, you had this big feeling that you're like, this is the fire in my belly and I am passionate about this thing. What is that thing you are passionate about? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I think that there's, well, first of all, I should probably go on record to say there's a lot of fires. Sure. Yes. But this particular one is about like, when I was young, I loved the church. I loved to be at church. I loved mm. to do the church thing. I loved to learn about Jesus and read my Bible and all that kind of stuff. But, um, and then I was a part of a church plant when I was in college, which was a really cool experience because it was a bunch of college students that sat in a living room and read the book of Joshua with the lens of trying to start a church as if no one had ever talked about before how to start a church. <laughs> and which, like, looking back. Groundbreaking. Was, but, yeah, but we thought we were breaking ground. Yeah. We thought we were doing something amazing. So, um, but I think that that was so formative to try to figure out, like, okay, really take it back to ground one. Like, what is the church supposed to be? And what are we called to? And, and what is this whole thing about? And so then later becoming a pastor and then, you know, working inside of a mega church for a while. I mean, I don't know mega church, but it was a pretty big church for a while. And then moving to um, the lead pastor of a really small church, restart, trying to figure out, okay, what is it? What, like, I feel like I'm still having those conversations about yeah. what, what is this thing supposed to be? Yeah. What, how do yeah. you do it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's where you're at now. Yep. And then, and so that's what yeah. this whole thing is about. And, and part of the reason why I wanted to do it with you is because we've really spent the last three two three years years, yeah three years yeah having these conversations together yeah about gosh what is the church supposed to be what's working what's not working um because there are so many different kinds of churches out there and so many different focuses like how is one church so different or I don't like to say better or worse but like what is working what isn't working what's the landscape out there what's it like yeah yeah. And you know, what's interesting is when we first started having this conversation, like three years ago, yeah. I think I was the one that said, it's not better or worse. But yeah. I, I think I'm getting to a point where I'm like, mm, nope. It's better and worse. <laughs> it, there's some things but I mean, like, I want to say the reality is, is churches are called to different things. And so they're going to mm. look differently yeah. based on those things. And just because one church you know, has a passion and a heart for this people group. And so they look differently because that, and the other one looks differently because they have a passion and a heart for another people group. Like that's not the better or worse thing. Right. That's important actually. That's actually really important. Yeah. That's really good and important. Yeah. But there are some better and worse things. <laughs> we don't have to, we don't have to get into the better and worse right now. <laughs> but there are some like some key problems that the global would you say the global church is facing right now I would or would you say, say the to western american. western american churches are facing? yeah i think that's good i think it's a good distinction yeah, i can't be i don't know enough about global church right you don't know what's going on in australia or china or yeah anywhere western america western american so there's some some problems that are 
do you, would you say brewing <laughs> <laughs> that they're taking like the eye off of the ball yes potentially yeah 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 and I think I think some of that is um some of that is connected with the need to survive right Ooh. the the flooded market of churches oh. and this goes back to the movement from urban centers to mm. um sub wait urban and suburban suburban yeah thank you or the movement from urban and suburban. So, so what happens is, is as there was this flooding of the churches becoming decentralized and moving from the cities or not decentralized, but yeah, moving out of the city into the suburbs, what was really happening was every denomination said, Oh, we need a church in every suburb. Mm. And so you'd first have the Baptists move out and then the Pentecostals and then the Methodists and then the Presbyterians and then and so then within one suburb there was a flood of churches on every corner mm. and so the people no longer had um as, as we've through the ages through the decades we've kind of gone to this place of no longer being um uh, choosing a church based on theology but chase choosing a church based on the goods and services that it can provide mm. and and so then you get into churches competing just like businesses do for goods and services mm. which becomes like that just is a totally different that's problematic thing. that's problematic because then um, the church becomes more focused on the goods and services than the teachings and the development of the people per se right exactly exactly yes. and even loses its focus on the bigger picture of, you know, in Ephesians 6, it talks about how our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and dark powers and mm. principalities of this world, dark world, or whatever it is. Yeah. But we instead start to articulate the enemy as being this other church who's stealing yeah. congregants from us. Whoa. How dare they? <laughs> Because their children's ministry program is better than ours. Right. Instead of recognizing that actually the church down the street, we're on the same mission. Right. Um, even if we're being sent to different people groups or different niches, like we're on the same mission. And, and so when we become sort of competing for the same thing, we actually wind up doing everything the same way. And we have this mindset where we think if I just make my apple shinier than the other church, yeah. then people will choose my apples rather than your apples. And uh, we kind of lose sight of what we're really trying to do. So, okay. That's the problem. That's, ha yeah. that's what's happening. So like, what, what does a church do when they don't want to get into the same race of be shinier. I'm going to be the shiniest apple, but they also need congregates to even survive. Oh yeah. What, great. what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is so tricky. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it starts with understanding the kingdom, hmm. right? Like I think where we have to start before we can ever ask the question of what is the church supposed to do? I think we have to start with, well, what is the kingdom all about? And I think that that is something that churches don't talk about a lot. And we sort of just miss and lose sight of altogether. So, okay, let's unpack that a little bit. Like you're saying, what does the kingdom look like? And I, what are you saying? <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying? <laughs> okay. Yes. So, um, the kingdom of God, right? I think the yep. best way to unpack it is to really start with the biblical story, right? Like, so we have Genesis on the first page. We have God creating the world and he sets it up. It's this perfect place, like just totally perfect. Eden, uh, everything is in right relationship with God. We use this Hebrew word shalom to talk about our relationship mm. with God, our relationship with creation, our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with others. Everything's perfect. And then sin and brokenness 
enters the world and fractures things apart. Now, a lot of times in the way we talk about that fracturing, we talk about it as like, okay, it's created this separation between heaven and earth. And now what has happened is that earth is like all the way over here and heaven is all the way over here. And if you don't, you can't see me because you're only listening, but my arms are really far apart. (laughs) And so they totally get separated. And the story we as churches and as believers have in our head is that Jesus came from heaven way over here, all the way down on the right, all the way to the right. Yep. All the way to the left. And Jesus comes down to earth. And the story goes is he came so that one day we can leave earth and go to heaven and escape this whole thing. And that Mm. is the understanding that a lot of churches and followers of Christ are operating under. But when you read scripture, that's really not, it's not the story. The story is Jesus comes here and is like, Hey, you can be with me always make where you live, inhabit, look like the kingdom of God as much as you can in this broken, fallen world. Yeah, that you can Jesus have heaven actually, now. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, this whole concept that the two spheres of heaven and earth are separated doesn't fit in the Bible either. Like, actually, they're touching, right? They're the thin mm. spaces. They're the places where the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament existed. And then Jesus comes and he says, I'm the temple. Like, I'm the new tabernacle. And then Jesus moves through earth and, like, sets up these thin spaces where you can experience God. And as followers of Christ, we're called to lean into that, to continue to do what Jesus did, which was proclaim and demonstrate that the kingdom of God has come to earth. That's why Jesus says his first sermon, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. It's here. It's near. It's It's come to earth. Yeah. And I think some of those, I love the thin spaces that are created during, like, times of worship where you can just experience and feel and know those are some like present day thin spaces I've experienced anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, and I think that those, like whether the church has their eye on the kingdom or not, I think that we still experience those thin spaces. And I think that like, I used to work with a lot of youth and one of the reasons why they loved retreats and loved camp was because Mm. I had an opportunity to enter into these thin spaces where they experienced God through worship and through community with the group or team that they were in. Um, And I think as a church, we've lost sight of, our job is to participate in those thin spaces, not just in the church building or on a retreat, but in the places that we live, work, and play to, mm. to bring more of heaven to earth and by engaging in those thin spaces in our everyday life. Yeah. Okay. So two things. I remember going on youth trips and we were like worshiping like so hard, right? Yeah. Hard. And we would, yeah. And it was like <laughs> so good. And we were always like, why isn't it like this at our church? Like why do my parents or... Why do they not experience it in the same way we do? So I remember that feeling and like that conversation that we, I had with my friends growing up. And also then we always at youth retreats would talk about, hey, take this home with you. Live yeah. it. Like take it to school the next day. And it was like, oh, my God. What? I don't, I don't know, know how, how to, to do, do that. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was also like you're this pressure. Like, hey, your testimony is important. And like be able to talk about that with your friends at school. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what? Yeah. (laughs) So how do you like integrating those things was like really intimidating because they weren't integrated. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm. And I'm sure at some point we're going to talk more about like, what does it look like to integrate those things? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, we have, I remember learning about 
the like when the dissent dissentation the dissenting happened from churches is that the right word when like the church was the like center point of a community yeah um and then it changed and like the 70s happened and it was like peace and love and like churches are still operating as if they should be the center center. point of the community but it's not so like what does the church do now that like in our society we are an un what's what's the term we're in unchurched population or they're the rise of the nuns the rise of the people who say that they don't they have no religious affiliation, non-religious affiliation. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. The church position, what do they, what does the church position look like in a society like that? Like, I feel like it's still like trying to dig in heels. Like, yeah. Hey, come to us. We are what is most important Yeah. in this model. So Alan Roxburgh, who wrote the book, Joining God, um, Joining God in the Neighborhood, Joining God. I'm Do you remember? Sure. I made you read it. I, uh, I don't remember what it was. Okay. Anyways, put it in the show notes. I think we it's have Joining show God. Notes now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he talks about the unraveling sort of the best. Um, and he talks about this whole idea that in the 1950s and previous to that, the church was sort of at the center of a community. And so everybody went to church, everyone participated in church, and that was just what you did. And then as we went through yeah, the 70s, the 60s and the 70s, um, church no longer was at the center of a community, particularly the rise of the 90s and then the 2000s for sure. Church is no longer the center of the community. And yet we have people who actually never experienced that still leading churches, trying to get church to become the center of the community again, trying to get it to be the center focal point of the entire community. What does that look like? Like um, come here every like three or four days a week because it's the most important part of your life, being in this building. You're here Sunday morning. You're here Sunday night. You're here Wednesday night. You're here on Saturday. You're here. Yeah. You're just here all the time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of churches see that as the holy grail of church life, that mm. that you would become a church where people are consumed with being in that church building and at that church place. Um, unfortunately, like a lot of churches don't experience that today because you have the competition with different extracurricular activities, work. I mean, there are just so many different places that compete with church being the central location. Now, a lot of people, uh, pastors and laity, like so clergy and laity all together, are still trying to work and see that as the Holy Grail and try to create churches to be the spaces that everybody is at all the time. But culture has <laughs> changed. Like, one, that's not going to happen. And they see, like, what is happening now as a sinful mm-hmm. culture issue. Yeah, sinful Nature. culture. Yeah. And uh, what Alan Roxburgh talks about is he says, actually, like, all of that has unraveled. But just like when you knit something together or you crochet something, sometimes you you create something and it works for a while, but you want to create something new. So everything unravels. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's all bad and everything's falling apart. It says, okay, now knit something new together. And so um, Rasberg talks about how maybe this is our opportunity as a church to instead of you know, lamenting where we were and that we're not there anymore, what does it mm. look like for us to just say, no take the yarn and make something new, something that will actually work for our culture in the spaces that we live, work and play and really examine the people that were around and sort of exegete the neighborhood and the community and figure out, well, what is God calling us to be now? What is he calling our church to be now? 
Um, so what you're saying is that it's not bad. It's not it bad. It's not bad. And I think it's also important to say that, like, if you're at church every day or that often and you're also trying to have family time or friend time, you're not actually leaving any room to have people outside of that bubble of, right. like, your church time. Right. And there, so yeah. that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. So, okay, this gets, oh, my gosh, so many conversations to have. But this gets into <laughs> the idea that the church is a sent, is sent by the yes. sending God. And yes. so this idea that when we fill our peoples, the follower of Christ, when we fill their calendars with church things from Sunday to Saturday, and they're always at the church, there's really no opportunity for them to be sent anywhere else. There's no opportunity for them to make connections with their soccer team or their coworkers or whoever it is, their neighbors. Their neighbors, um, yeah. And so they have no opportunity to be in those spaces and sort of bring the kingdom to those places. Yeah. Which also means that the measurement of success for churches has to shift along with that so that they don't feel like failures all the time. Because if their measurement of success used to be like, Oh, 75 Absolutely. people came to Wednesday night dinner people. And that that's not what's happening anymore. It's a good thing, but how else do you measure? Absolutely. That's such a great thing. And I think that even as a church leader, that's one of, I mean, I'm like sunken deep on this whole idea of mm-hmm. shifting church <laughs> culture, but it's still hard. It's hard when you see the numbers start to shift and you see, hey, I cast a vision for people to be uh, fully present in their neighborhoods, which means they're not coming to all of my things anymore. Yeah, that's hard. It's hard. Oh, my gosh. Because it's like, are the things that I'm doing terrible or are they doing the things in their neighborhood? (laughs) Right. Exactly. And so you start having to, you have to start creating a totally new measuring system for how did you say that we're being successful and what it is, you know, because it used to be, oh, my numbers are all up into the, up into the right. Like my numbers are (laughs) up into the right. Every week I have more people. And when you start living out this idea of um, the big kingdom and Mm -hmm. maybe starting small, like everything has to start shifting. Yeah. Okay. So with all this in mind, what is the hope for the church? If this is the shift and this is the change oh. and this is like, um, like what instead do you do? Because you have this group of people who are learning and are activated. Um, but it all, the church is also an important part of, of like the community, even though it's not the central point. Right. How does the church be helpful in that community yeah like yeah so I guess the point I'm getting to a long way around is um different types of events so I think church culture at least for me growing up was a lot of like hey here's this thing for us like us our church like here come do this thing for us um but now it's like hey let's do something for them how do Mm -hmm. we do things for them while while using us like how how do we help them (laughs) yeah what is what does it look like well so I think that like part of it is shifting from thinking everything has to be everything in our church has to become bigger and actually shifting to the idea that maybe it needs to be smaller oh oh that's so hard too (laughs) right right so so when we think about how do we help somebody how do we be active how do we be the sent people of God to some degree it's a longer journey. It takes longer and it mm. often looks 
smaller. So mm. like I have been a part of um, church programs and productions and events where it was like cram the people in the more we can have. Let's make a splash in the community. Let's do it. It's Sunday at this time and this many people come and how awesome. But I think that if you take a step back and you really ask like, hey, how many people were actually helped? Like how many people were introduced to vibrant relationships with Christ? How many people were introduced to vibrant relationships with other people in the congregation that we could then journey with them for a long time? Like, I don't know that there were really that many, like maybe there were, I mean, people, lots of people fill out the, I, um, I made a decision to follow Christ at these sort of evangelistic events. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but but how many people made a connection with them that they could then continue to journey with them like Christ did with his disciples to walk with them long-term. If you're talking about those sorts of things that happens in smaller and slower ways. So what does it look like for us as churches to let go of some of these, we're going to do crazy big things and instead say, okay, but how do we do these small things that in turn will add up to big things to big things to big things which like i'm a big thing kind of person like yeah I want that's like in your events. dna oh my gosh i want all the big things <laughs> and what i'm having to learn is it has to start small oh i have a great example of this yeah what's that okay so when i used to do student ministry and so we did this um middle school thing that was on wednesday nights it was kind of like an open gym sort of thing where we then had the high school students they were leading it, it was a great opportunity for the high school students to lead they had to articulate sort of like a a Uh, the gospel to these middle school students and they were the high school students were the ones that were supposed to like put on the show right and so we had this open gym time Mm. okay this thing went from like 15 middle school students to like 240 middle school students in a gym with just like I got hit in the head every week (laughs) something because I hate getting hit in the head everywhere they're playing all these games I didn't know who these kids were they started stealing things which like again student ministry it's not the worst thing in the world to have students stealing things I mean like you know what I'm saying yeah yeah like like there could be worse things is that what you're saying yeah it could be worse (laughs) and like you know it's gonna you're fine steal a basketball fine right whatever like yeah but um but but it was kind of like okay but great we drew a crowd of like 240 people awesome what do you do what do you do what do you do next and even no matter how many ways that we were able to recruit adult volunteers or pour into our high school students to form relationships with these kids what we found was we couldn't it was Mm. too big in order to create sort of like lasting and sustainable relationships where the kids, the middle schools or middle school students were seen and heard and listened to. Like we couldn't do it at that event. So unless Mm. we could figure out a way to use that as an opportunity, but as a funnel to then become something smaller and something deeper, it just, it never really went anywhere. Mm. And so I don't know that it, really had a great opportunity to build the kingdom it was really just building our church right and our numbers and your numbers yeah Yeah. and I don't want to dismiss the idea that because I believe that like that could have a meaningful oh yes to to somebody to one of those kids that was there that you might that we may never know about right I think that does happen but like the purpose of those events is to form relationships and that's not what was happening that's what we're saying if that's all that it is it's building your church. It's not building the kingdom. Yeah. It has yeah. to be connected to something else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's being small. 
yeah. doing things that are smaller, like su- sustainable and connect worthy, connectable, yeah. <laughs> connectable. Yeah. Connectable. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah. So things that we hope for. So what is, what is your hope? So this is your, one of your fires in your bellies. What is your hope from, for the church, the Western American church? What is your hope? I hope that we would become people that are more kingdom minded than church minded. So articulate like one example of that, because that's like, that could be taken so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So one example is something we already talked about in terms of like that churches would no longer be in competition with each other, but Mm -hmm. instead find ways to partner together. Um, I have on so many different occasions tried to reach out to other churches and say, let's partner. And the fear you, you, nobody says it, but the underlying fear is always, are you going to steal my people? Right. And (laughs) if Uh, that is our concern, we're never going to, we're never going to be united. Right. And John 17, Jesus prays that his followers would be united, that we would know that God is true and that Jesus has come because of our unity. Yeah. And, and so, so I think that one example is the competition between churches. Um, and I think there's a good example that actually happened that like nothing was said. It wasn't actually verbalized, but like we asked different churches to be a part of this thing we were doing. Yeah. And then they're like, it was no. a service project for the community. Yeah. For, for the, community. the community. Yeah. It was to clean yeah. up somebody's house. Mm, I'm thinking yeah. about a different one. Oh, um, you're thinking about it. Com- okay. So there's more than one. Example. There's more than one. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's a good one too. <laughs> um, but they were like, no, we just did this thing and we're not, we're not ready to do it again. Yeah. And then the very next year they did it. And so it was like, that wasn't actually true. I don't think like, I don't think it was because you guys just said, I just think that you were worried to partner with us. Like yeah. you didn't want, you didn't want that to happen. And yeah. so yeah, it's not said, but it's yeah. like... And true confessions, I've been a part of the church or I've been the church leader who has said, I don't want to partner with you because I am worried that you're going to take my people. Because, because people that... mattered. The numbers yeah, because mattered. the numbers mattered. Like They're I was everything. being, my job was on the line if I didn't produce a certain number of yeah, people it's fear-based. That coming to these things. Yeah, so it's yeah. fear-based. So I think yeah. that... So I think that my hope is that we would let go of that, but in letting go of that, we have to replace it with something. And so what does it look like for us to become leaders and followers of Christ who are, are, are going into the places that we live, work, and play, not with the mindset to bring them back to our church, but to bring them into the kingdom, mm-hmm. right? That's a totally different thing. Yeah, totally, totally different, different thing. thing. That has so many more questions to go with that because like, you know, churches have to still have to pay for electricity and like people help more people help do that. So that's like a whole nother conversation that we'll have. Yeah. Yeah, We'll have. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you said you had a couple of them. What's another hope? Uh, yeah, I have that as a hope. Um, Mm -hmm. I also have a hope that I, um, I'm pretty passionate about helping church leaders figure out how to, uh, uh, cultivate new ideas and a pretty apostolic and an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial yeah there you go um and so I uh and so I you know I stepped into a church restart um which like people can debate about whether church planning or church restarting which is harder it's church restarting like that's just what I think unbiased opinion I have my um, unbiased opinion because I think what happens with the church restart is that 
you are, I used to think that it was the most ideal thing because um, I used to think that the world doesn't need more churches. We need better churches. And what I've actually um, come to realize through a lot of different reading about church planning and actually walking this journey is that sometimes better churches are church plants because they can make the decisions to bob and weave because they're small Hmm. enough to form connections. They don't have the baggage of the previous thing. Um, So, but anyways, but I believe that church restarts were better um, because I thought we didn't need new ones, but we actually do need new ones. Wait, what was I talking about? (laughs) What was I? I went on a whole tangent. Oh, in church restarts. Church restarts. Yeah. Really hard because you are planting a church inside of a pre-existing church and you have to keep both of those things running at the same time in some ways. And so um, I just want to be an encouragement to people who are Mm. on this journey, whether restart or plant, or you're just trying to change the culture of your own church and running into this problem of how do we do this, of becoming kingdom minded people rather than just our own church kingdom people. Right. And, and how do we do this? And so, um, I just want to be helpful in sharing some ideas of things that have gone terribly wrong <laughs> yeah, and things that, that seem, seem to be working. Yeah. And that uh, is your hope for this, for this moment. For like, yeah, <laughs> that's my hope. That's, that's my your hope. hope. Yeah. yeah. And I want to say there is something to not being a kingdom for your church. We, we recently, me, my husband moved and we recently, we tried out a few churches cause you, you know. Yeah, I I have different, I like compete with myself with whether that's a good idea or not. But anyways, beside the point, um, we went to a church and I think that the church name was said like 87 times. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my goodness. Like I do believe that there is a remember, remember, which I do believe is important. I have a marketing background. I think you have to say your name a few times, (laughs) but like, it's not about you church. Yeah, (laughs) Like it's not about the name. It's about like the bodies and the global and like all of the things. Yeah. So yes, good things to teach people Yeah. for you for, based on your experience. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I'm still learning and the things I'm discovering that things that I was so certain of four years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it is, I'm now like, eh, yeah, I'm going back on that. <laughs> okay. That's helpful. So you have been in this role at Clarksburg church as the lead pastor for mm-hmm. for four years four years so we I'm came bo- in 2016 2016 and we moved <laughs> here um from phoenix we moved to maryland and we're a part of this church restart yeah i think yeah i think that's helpful to know and like the context of clarksburg church is that they were a pre-existing church yeah that was like began years ago and even in a different city it began yeah and so the church within a church is very real because that church had existed with for so like, long, so long with for members so long. that had been a part of it for so long. And so like respecting their past and their history yeah. is important because yeah. that's their, that's their past and their history. So I think we need to write down that that is changing culture. How do you shift culture in a preexisting church? That is a great, we should talk about that. We should talk about that. And we can share more about the church story in that one too. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna finish recording this piece. And then we're gonna add another. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a new link and then we're gonna add that piece and then you can put both of those things together. Okay. 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 Yeah. So I'm finished recording. Okay. All of the things. So many things. So many things. Why we 
big things start small. And mm-hmm. so I'm excited for these conversations that we're going to have. And I hope that they will be helpful to, to people, to more people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And plus, I do think, I, you know, one more thing of why yeah. I wanted to do this. It's not just because I think this is helpful to other people. Like, I actually find that continuing to rehash these conversations over and over again is helpful to me. So it's yeah. helpful to sharpen my focus to make sure that I haven't wandered away. Like, you know, shiny objects are really easy to yeah. <laughs> take my attention and, and squirrels come in every day in all shapes and sizes. And so um, rehashing these conversations help me make sure that I'm a better leader for my congregation. And I'm constantly reminded that we got to focus on the kingdom, especially during like right now, COVID times, yeah. like. It's COVID really, times. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's really easy to get hung up on, oh, my live stream service only went out to X number of people rather than right. what it was going to before. And, um, and so it's helpful for me too. these conversations. Yeah. And yeah. I also like just, it's not just COVID, but like the state of the country and oh, like yeah. all of these things are going on. So I think these conversations are really helpful for me too, just to like have somewhere to talk about it because it's unknown territory and a lot of people are talking about it but it is just I think it's important stuff and so and the church has a big role in that huge role huge huge role role. and so that'll be more exciting so so yes well thanks Beth this was great thanks Casey (laughs) I'll talk to you later okay (laughs) bye bye